In this taborific episode of Startups for the Rest of Us, Mike returns to the show. This is Startups for the Rest of Us, episode 458. Welcome to Startups for the Rest of Us, the podcast that helps developers, designers, and entrepreneurs be awesome at building, launching, and growing startups. Whether you built your fifth startup or you're working on your first. I'm Rob. And I'm Mike. And we're here to share our experiences to help you avoid the mistakes we've made on our journeys. Mike, it's been a long time. Hi. Yeah, it has. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, 10 episodes? 10 episodes. I don't think either of us realized, yeah, that it would be that long. And just so listeners know, you and I have literally not spoken verbally. We, we've, we've texted since that episode, but we have not spoken since episode 448. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's funny. We don't, we don't talk that much. You know, we tend to text and email a lot. You know, I hear that from people when I talk to them at MicroConf is that they have the expectation or the inclination to believe that you and I talk either every day or at least a couple of times a week. And that's totally not true. Like we will email back and forth and we will sometimes go for a couple of weeks without talking uh, at all. <laughs> yeah, if we don't record the podcast. So, man, 10 episodes. Have you uh, what have you been doing with the enormous amount of free time that you have not had? <laughs> showing up every week to, to record this and all that. I've come to the realization that I was probably recovering from a pretty massive dose of burnout. So I feel like I'm at the tail end of getting over that. Like I've, how do I put this? I, there were times where I would just take an entire day off just because I felt like I needed it. And then there were other times where I would just sit at my desk and I really wouldn't feel like I was getting any work done. And I would say that was kind of in the, the early stage of kind of when I started to take the time off. But I kind of got to the point where I realized that just sitting at my desk wasn't actually doing anything. So if I wasn't actually being productive in any way, shape or form, I just get up and go do something else. Cause what's the point of sitting there if it's not doing me any good? Cause then I'm just going to feel bad about it later. And that's not good for me either. So it's, I think it was rough to get through, but it was probably necessary too. Well, it's nice to have the luxury to be able to take that time and to not have to show up every day for, for a season, right? It's like over the course of years, you need to kind of show up every day in general, but when you're burned out, you have to take time off. There, there's really no other way to get around that. You have to get away from it. And it's hard to show up even once a week and be like, all right, I got to sit here and talk on the mic about stuff that I don't really feel great about. I've gone through months of, of time when I felt that way. And I, when I listen back to the show, I can, I can hear that in either one of us at any given time when, when they're burned out. So I, I think it's great that you've had that time to kind of step away and, and just got to give yourself permission to do that. I think that's the thing. I often feel guilty when I do it, but you come back the next day or the next week, you know, assuming it's not a long-term depression or, you know, a, a chemical imbalance, which is a totally very valid and real thing. But assuming it's not that and you're, you are just burned out, you know, because of the work or the whatever it is, I think it's super valuable and, and each of us should, should give ourselves permission to do that. Yeah. And that, that was a good realization for me is just giving myself permission to walk away and then come back later, either when I felt like it or maybe the next day if I didn't feel like it. And sometimes there were, there were definitely a couple of periods where I would take two or three days just because I didn't feel like doing anything and I wasn't being productive. And it's just, you can't beat yourself up all the time because that's really what was happening to me. And I, I don't know how long it was going on either because it's when you're sitting there trying to get work done, it's like you're concentrating more on beating yourself up about why you're not getting things done and not focused and not moving the ball forward than you are about taking a larger view of the of things and saying, well, how long has this been going on? And I've tried to forgive myself, I guess, for those, those periods of like not being able to get stuff done. And like I said, I think things have just gotten a lot better over the past month or so. Well, and we'll we'll dive into that. I mean, that's the whole point of this episode. I have a couple questions for you before we kind of get into what you've been thinking about, how things have been with your health, you know, your progress, what's going on. Have you been listening to the podcast? I have not. I have gone. I've gone into hermit mode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You haven't been on Twitter at all, right? So uh, aside from logging in very briefly on Twitter and Facebook, just for like authentication purposes for a couple of different things, like I haven't gone on either one of them. I'd like nothing, no social media. Like I don't even really like watch the news or anything like that. So there's stuff going on. I'm just like, I have no idea what's <laughs> no, no idea what's happening in the world. It's just hermit mode. And Mike, do you miss it desperately and feel like there's a huge Twitter shaped hole in your heart? 
No, not really. Not at all, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do miss some of the like the playful interactions and stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I know that it's also distracting for me. So I miss reconnecting with people just to shoot them a message here and there or just make a comment on different things that are going on. But at the same time, a lot of those things don't necessarily add any real value for me. I guess there's a social contact, but I've tried to find personal social contacts outside of the Internet. That makes a lot of sense. I, I find it fascinating. You haven't been listening to the podcast. All the listeners who've been listening, they know like the format. I've changed the format. I've I've been doing a lot of interviews, but like really like trying to dig in and not just do the same old, you know, we never wanted an interview show, right? There were enough interview shows, but like I've been trying to to dig into people's stories and the struggles, done several QA episodes. I did a Q&A episode where Tracy Osborne came on and co-hosted with me. Jordan Gall came on for one. So that's been actually the cool part for me is... It, it was almost an excuse slash motivation slash forced me to figure out how to, how do I run the show on my own? And it, it forced me to innovate, right? It's, it's the mother of invention to sit here, stare at the mic and be like, I don't just want to do what a lot of solo hosts do, which is interviews. And I don't just want to monologue on the mic, which I certainly, could, you know, heaven knows I can sit and, and talk for 30 minutes, but how do I try to, to up the game? And I've been spending, I've been spending a lot more time on the podcast, you know, than I, than I used to. Or, you know, I think then we have over the course of the last several years, we, we kind of show up and we talk on the mic, but I've been trying to be really deliberate about trying to craft stories and, and just experimenting with new ideas and new formats. So it's been cool. Some, you, you don't obviously don't need to go back and listen to them now. I think your hermit mode is great. I think it's probably what you need at this point. Someday go back and listen and let me know what you think. The response I, I have asked in some of the episodes for folks to write in or write me personally or tweet, you know, or somehow give their thoughts on, on kind of the new, the new format and overwhelmingly positive, like probably got 20, 20 to 25 responses saying, yep, this is great. Keep being creative, keep changing it up. So folks have mentioned that they miss the Q and a episodes probably the most. So I think cause we used to do every other episode was Q and a. So I think I'm going to start, you know, and that's easy enough. Like I, I did one that went live today when we're recording this and it was just me doing Q and A and I listened through it and it, it's good. Like I, I think that works. And I also like bringing folks, experienced folks like Jordan Gall or Tracy on to, to kind of co-host with me uh, on the Q and A. So I think I'm kind of finding my, finding my groove here and in, in a way to, you know, to kind of keep it going. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up the forced innovation because I think there's a couple of things that come to mind in terms of just the podcast general, I'll call it general success and general longevity, but the fact that we show up all the time, or well, I guess until 10 episodes, we showed up every every week. And then in the past 10, it's just been you showing up every week. But the fact that it's there and people can rely on it is not just a testament to the show, but it's one of the reasons why it has been successful. But I think that the other thing that you look at is you can continue to do the same thing over and over again, but eventually maybe it gets boring or maybe you decide that there's other things that you want to do or there's other ways to innovate on the show or whatever it is that you're working on. And those things don't, don't get done sometimes unless you force it because you're either afraid to make changes or you decide, like, I'm comfortable now. I don't want to go through the, I don't want to call it pain, but the uncomfortableness of trying to change something that is already working. And I think that applies in not just the podcast, but a lot of other places too. No, I would agree. I actually have a snippet from one email that we received from uh, Freak Regina, and he had a, a couple comments, but one thing he said that I thought it was kind of indicative of what a lot of folks said. He said, you asked for feedback about the new format. I'm really enjoying the in-depth, nitty-gritty interviews with entrepreneurs who are in the trenches and openly talk about their successes, failures, and what they're currently working on. It's so valuable to hear how people think through the challenges, problems, and decisions. You're a great interviewer because it doesn't feel like you're an interviewer, if that makes sense. And I, I really appreciate that piece because I'm trying to deliberately do that. I'm not trying to be an investigative journalist. I'm trying to be a founder who's just having a conversation with another founder, much like we would have whatever at a bar or at a conference in a hallway track or something. Back to his email, he says, I also appreciate how you introduce the guest background yourself so you can go right into the good stuff with your guests. And that's been very deliberate. The first two, three minutes, I hammer through their history so that we don't have to sit there for 20 minutes talking through, so when did you become an entrepreneur? It's like, nobody really cares about that in general. Like, we really want to know what's this pivotal piece of your story, and let's dig into that, that element of it. His email continues. He says, I've learned so much from the topic-focused slash listener questions episodes as well. And that's some more of the old, older format. 
There are so many concepts I've incorporated into my own thinking that have made me vastly more productive and effective. And then he, it's cool, he rattles off a bunch. He said off the top of my head, relentless execution, roadblocks versus speed bumps, almost all decisions are reversible, good glucose, you know, moving a business forward, I could go on. So he says, I like the new format, I like the new voices, and I like the stories, but the previous format is also great and has taught me a lot. And so I, yeah, I appreciate that email. And that was in general indicative of, of the, the feedback that, that I saw. I think there was one person who wrote in and said, I like the old format better. And I was like, well, that's not, you know, that's not super helpful without more, more description. But yeah, in general, it's been kind of, you know, a fun adventure. That's cool. How about the web? Had you been to the website? So I'm about to, to announce it today, but about a week and a half ago, a brand new Startups for the Rest of Us website went live. I did see that. Startups for the Rest of Us.com. Yeah. It's a, a new WordPress design. I'm sorry that I had to deprecate our 10 year old, nine and a half year old. It was a woo theme that we <laughs> customized. <laughs> oh, Mike, the humanity. Oh, that was so hard to work with. <laughs> How did we let that happen? Well, and it's not because it's a wood theme. It's because it was nine years old. Like, it was so crafty. Everything was breaking. We had plugins that were deprecated six years ago. Like, thanks again to Rich Stats at The Secret Stash, who jumped in. I mean, the podcast feed would have died three months ago. It was going to... We weren't able to get new episodes in. And he jumped in with, like, a day's notice and, like, hacked something in a plugin to to get that going. And then... That was cool to keep us going. And then I don't know if you know, but we're now on um, Seriously Simple podcast hosting, which is uh, Craig Hewitt's WordPress plugin. We were on PodPress and it hadn't been touched in six years. And so Craig did us a favor and jumped in and spent several hours, I think, migrating us over to just to keep the, we were just bailing the water out of the boat in essence, you know, to keep the podcast going. So that's cool. But we now, we have a new theme and I, I, my hope is that, you know, we're in a much better situation now. Yep. And in 2027, we can update it again. <laughs> it's the thing I was thinking. It was like, oh my, we need to do this a little more often, you know? Yeah, it might be a good idea. But I think we just, we both got busy doing other things and it it still worked and was functional. So it's like, eh, it's a little low on the priority list. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So that that happens. I think I was motivated by the fact, I mean, I, I think the momentum carried through where it was like, okay, here I am doing this show on my own, setting up interviews. And I kept going to the site and just being like, I'm so bothered by this website. Like the copies out of date, the greatest hits ends at 220. You know, it was like half of our, half of our podcast feed had been analyzed for, you know, greatest hits and just the design and, and everything. So it's never fun to kind of redesign a site, but it's fun to have redesigned it, right? It's like now that it's done, I'm, I'm glad that it's all taken care of. Yeah, now that it's over and it looks nice, then it's much better off. <laughs> so yeah, so episode 448 really struck a nerve, man. We received north of three dozen comments on that episode, tweets, emails to myself, emails to questions at, at Startups of the Rest of Us. I think it is the episode that received the most feedback, perhaps of any episode in our, you know, in our 450 episode run. Yeah, you can probably at least add 50 to 75% to that because like I got a ton of things that came directly to me through email as well. I don't know if anybody has tweeted at me. So if they did, I apologize because I have not logged into Twitter since like two and a half months ago. But on top of that, like I got a ton of personal sort of like direct emails to me as well. That's cool. So th thank you to everyone who reached out. Honestly, I responded to a lot of them, but I read every single one of them. And I'm, I'm I, you know, I know you did as well, the stuff that came to you, Mike. In general, it was just super encouraging. Like there was a voicemail last episode that I felt like had a, he had a couple questions, but he had a piece that I felt summed it up nicely. And he said, I wanted to thank Mike for his immense courage and being so open and vulnerable and sharing his blue tick blues with the podcast community. As a fellow still struggling Boston area B2B SaaS founder, I empathize with him and the challenge he's facing, and I deeply appreciate his willingness to share them in public, wishing the best in deciding what's next. I felt like that was, in general, it was like, thanks for coming on the mic and doing this, both of you. You know, thanks for, for diving into this difficult topic in front of whatever, 20,000 listeners. And this is helpful. That's what I kept hearing is, this is helpful for me to hear as a founder, to know that I've gone through this, I am going through this. It really humanizes it. And, and I think a lot of it resonated with a lot of people that we were able to dig into that for, you know, for 40 minutes, 10 episodes ago. 
Yeah, I think when that episode went live, I got inundated with a ton of emails up front, and then they just kept trickling in, and they they tapered off after, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks. But it was hard for me because I wanted to respond to every single one of them, but I just really wasn't in a place where I, I could. So there's I apologize to anyone who I didn't respond to. I started replying to them, and I just I got to a point where I just couldn't because it was like I was saying the same kind of things over and over again to people, and it was just like – continuing to beat me down, I guess. So apologies to anyone, but I do want to say definitely I want to thank anyone who did email me. I did appreciate it. So Mike, when we last left our hero, we were talking about all kinds <laughs> of things and I have, what do I have? Seven or eight bullet points here to, to kind of cover and revisit. And you don't need an answer to all of them, right? Some of the answers may be, I don't know, I haven't figured that out yet. Because to take two and a half months off and expect that everything is thought through, everything is fixed, I don't think is realistic. But I am curious, and I'm sure the listeners are too, did you give this particular bullet thought? What, you know, what's, what's your conclusion? Where do you stand now? Where do you see it heading you know, over the next months and years? So I think the, like to start at a high level, I mean, something, I think a question I brought up a couple times in that episode was, well, I brought up the question, like, do you still want to be an entrepreneur? And you said, the answer is absolutely yes. And, th- and that's cool. But the other question I brought up towards the end was, should you be an entrepreneur? You know, do you feel like this is what you should be doing? Or do you feel like you should, should not want to, but should take a step back, do some consulting, build up the bankroll? take a salary job because man, healthcare is so expensive, you know, and it's just, I know salary jobs are make both of us sad. <laughs> they make me depressed, but they are so stable and they're so much less stressful and there's less need for that intrinsic motivation. Did you have a chance to think through that stuff? I did think about it. And coincidentally, it was maybe four or five days ago, I got a an email from a recruiter who was asking me, he's like, hey, I saw your resume or your job experience and stuff on LinkedIn. And there's this uh, position over here at Amazon that I think you'd be really good for. And I looked at it and I thought for like eight tenths of a second, I'm like, God, no, I just can't do that. <laughs> like, I, I think it's the, it was more the, not just the, um, the fact that it would be like all the way over in Somerville. Cause it was, so it would take me like an hour to get there. I'm like, no, like absolutely not. Like that's part of why I went on on my own anyway. But like the, the thought of going back to a full-time employment, there, there is a attraction just from the, the healthcare standpoint, but at the same time, like the lack of flexibility and all the, like the past couple months, we've been able to make things work because I'm, working at home and my wife's got her business. So she's in and out. And like, we just tag team on like all the stuff with the kids during the summer. It'd be so much harder if I had a full-time job and yeah, I could probably make it work if I were working remotely, but it's still just like the hassle of working for somebody else. And I saw this Dilbert comic that, and my wife and I actually talked about this of like me going back and working for somebody else. And I, I remember coming across this Dilbert comic, like very recently that really summed it up. And it was the boss comes in and he says to Dilbert, he's like, Hey, I, you know, good news. We just won this nationwide contract to uh, roll out a wireless network. And Dilbert says, uh, newsflash, like, we don't know how to roll out a wireless network nationwide. And the boss says, how could, how hard could it be to not roll out wires? And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that, that is just completely sums up exactly why I just don't want. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like not every company is like that, but there are some things that I see that the company's done. And it's just like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And it's hard to say something in those situations because then you come off as like an adversarial employee and you're not working with the team. And it's just like, come on, like, this is a dumb idea. I can't believe you don't see it. So did you just quote a Dilbert comic as a reason not to get a full-time job? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I I hear what you're saying, man. I don't, uh, honestly, if you were to get a job, it it should be for a startup. It should be for a 10, 20, 30 person company, probably with funding. So they have good benefits and it should be remote. Right. So I, I get it. And I'm not saying you should do this, but I, I think that not wanting to go back to the cubicle farm or the hour commute, I, I get that. Neither of us should do that, but I don't think you need to in this day and age. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. Like I could probably find something that's remote, but I, I, I mean, I thought a lot about it and it's like, even if I had all the money in the world, like I would still build stuff. But the problem I think with that is that 
money isn't necessarily like a main driver for me. And that's the problem that I've run into is that I have enough money in the bank and I have enough income coming in where I don't have to work my ass off in order to have the things in life that make me happy. So the problem is that I'm not really making a ton of forward progress on a lot of things. So it really comes down to an existential question of like, what is it that actually drives me? If it's not money, like it used to be money because I was the only one in my household who was working and now I'm not. And my wife's able to help out with the the income side of things. And it's great because now I don't have to push myself nearly as hard, but as a like direct result of that, the question is, well, if I don't have to work nearly as hard, why am I doing this? Like what, what's the point? And so it's something I've definitely struggled with to be perfectly honest. And I don't have a great answer for it yet. I'm still, we're still working on that. But the reality is that like, that's, I think what has kind of stopped me or prevented me from going full speed on a lot of stuff because it's like, I haven't needed the money. So what's the point? I think that makes sense. Although you're not independently wealthy. No. You do have to work. And if, if you stopped working altogether, like it's not like you can take five years off, right? No, so no. that was when I was in your shoes, that was my motivation was to get to the point where I could take years off or the rest of my life to, to achieve financial freedom, right? Not to, it's an overused term and it's almost devoid of meaning at this point, but I wanted the ability to never have to work again. So that was a big motivation for me. Is that, does that not motivate you? I feel like the runway is long enough that it's not, it's not like a hardcore motivator for me, if that makes sense. It's like, I, I'm not under the gun. I don't have like, you know, two months or whatever to make ends meet and then, or, or I'm done and I have to go find a full-time job. It's like, that's not the position I'm in. Like I'm fine for like probably several years. So like, that's not a big deal. The problem is that there are going to be points along the way that if I'm not like, so let's say blue tech went completely went away, for example, I would lose that income. Like, yeah, I would probably be in a, a little bit of trouble, but I would still have plenty of runway left to figure out what I was doing at that point. And the question is, well, how, how do I address that? Like, what do I, what do I really want? What am I really looking for? And I don't necessarily have specific answers for that. I'm still working on those, but I, I agree that like, I think the financial freedom aspect of it is it's a good and worthy goal. The question is, what is it that I'm really looking for above and beyond that? If I had that, what am I, what am I going to do? What's going to drive me and motivate me? Because even if I achieve that, then what's next? Like what's going to prevent me from just kind of saying, okay, well now what? Well, that's so interesting. I, I hear you, but I would get to that point and then say, now what? I have gotten to that point a number of times. For me, quitting a salary job was this huge goal of mine. And I quit it and went full-time contracting remote consulting in, I don't remember what year, let's say 2002 or three. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, this is, I've dreamed of this for like 20 years. I've wanted to, since I was in high school, I wanted to have this remote job and I did. And yeah, six months later, I said, now what? And you know what now what for me was, was, huh. I'm kind of bored of working dollars for hours. I want a product and I want products to support me. And then in 2008, full-time income, you know, from products. And I remember loving it for about a year. And then I said, now what? I'm bored. I need to do something bigger. And that was podcast, conference, book, Micropreneur Academy. And then it was Hittail because it was like, I need to level up. And then after that, it was Drip, you know, and, and, and then after Drip, it was now what? And now that's my, you know, it's spending more time on the podcast and it's doing Tiny Seed. So your and my motivations do not have to be the same thing. So that's not what I'm saying. But I do think that the best entrepreneurs I know have a driving motivating factor. And it, it, it is to either to create, like to build stuff that people use, or it's to achieve. There are a bunch of folks who just want to build a big company. They want to build the Amazon or the Google or the Uber. That's not my motivation, but my motivation has always been to create interesting things that other people use. And I'm sure there are, there are other motivations. The thing that I've seen is that if you've ever heard of the Enneagram, it's a personality test and it's, you know, it's kind of like the Myers-Briggs or whatever, but it'll tell you like, this is what motivates you and this is what doesn't. And I'd be fascinated for you to take that. And whether you talk about it on the show or you just take it for yourself to get some insight into your likes, dislikes, your pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses, and your motivations. Because I, I think that until you know that, I think it's going to be a challenge for you to be, to really be motivated to launch products because this shit is hard, right? I mean, that's what we've experienced. It is, it is hard to do this. And without a real drive of like, man, I need financial freedom, or I need to create stuff that a bunch of people use, or I just need to achieve to escape this inner voice in my head that probably my dad or my mom put in me. You know, these are the motivations that I've seen drive entrepreneurs to 
do really interesting things. I don't even mean great things. You don't have to build a multi-million dollar business. That's not what Startups for the Rest of Us is about. You know, it can just be about shipping cool things into the world that people use and, you know, showing up every day to do it. Yeah. And I, I mean, part of my question and that I'm kind of kicking around in my head is what is it that I want? Because all the things that you talked about are, you know, like the different people have different goals and some of them may want to build the next Amazon. And for you personally, that doesn't resonate. That's not what you want. But when you were talking about your journey from going to self-employment to building a product and then to hit tail and drip and tiny seed, like that whole journey is a series of challenges that you're undertaking. And in my mind, what I'm really struggling with is like, what is is the challenge that I actually want to tackle? What is it that I personally want to do? And I think that, that that's not something that comes overnight, especially like if you have the time to figure out what it is that you want to do rather than being having some forcing function that makes you decide within a week. Like within a week, like that's a time constraint and you have to deal with the constraints right then and there versus I'm in the position where I can take some time to figure out what it is that I actually want and reflect on exactly why that is and why it's going to make me happy. Because if it's not going to make me happy, I don't want to do it. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. Until you've been there, it's hard to understand how saying I can move and live anywhere actually makes it a lot harder. It's tough to say I can build or kind of do anything and I have a few years of runway makes that choice a lot harder because there's no forcing function for you to make a decision. And there's not a ton of, of things pressing on you to do it. So I hear what you're saying. So it sounds like here's what I'd like to do with this then, because I think this is a really interesting topic. I kind of noted it as like, what is the challenge that Mike wants to tackle? Why, you know, why is he doing this? I, I want to revisit this. Like, I think that, that you should give it thought, do a retreat, do whatever it is that, that you're going to do to figure that out. Take the Enneagram. <laughs> I just put a link in the, <laughs> it's not a silver bullet, but like take it and just take some personality tests and do some thinking and stuff and, and think about what it is you want to do. Cause this is a time to be deliberate about these things. You know, the mistake that I've seen some founders make as a founder I have in mind in particular, he sold a company and sold it for, let's say several hundred thousand dollars and didn't have enough to retire, but he could take time off. He didn't take time off. And he made a quick decision and said, I got to get right back on. And he launched his next thing within a few weeks. And it was a mistake because he, it was almost like a rebound, you know, like a rebound startup or a rebound idea. And you're not in that position to where you're shutting blue tick down and looking at another thing, but you are at a place where you have the luxury of taking a month or two, set a timeline so you don't take a year or two, but figure it out. I mean, that'd, that'd be my advice. What do you think? Do you think I'm, I'm full of BS? No, I think, well, yeah, but no. That's a great way to phrase that question. I like that. I mean, you make a, a, an excellent point about the fact that like when you've got a blank slate and if you can live anywhere and you can do anything, what is it that you're going to do? And I think that when you're faced with a problem, there's all those constraints. It helps you guide you in the right direction. But when you don't have no constraints or very, very few, that makes it a lot harder. And I think that that's the position I'm in is that like, I have much fewer constraints on me now than I probably did five or six years ago. Paradox of choice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to make sure that I, I make the right choice for myself and, and go in a direction that is going to make me happy. And that's actually what I want to do. Cause I remember a time when I was a kid that like, I was like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And of course, you know, you fast forward 30 years and it's just like, you don't have time in your life to do all of those things. So the question I'm trying to answer for myself is in 10 years or 15 or 20 years, when I look back at my life, what is it that I want to have achieved? Like what would make me happy or what do I believe would make me happy? And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. And, you know, you've, you've taken a couple months off of the podcast and I know you took some time off work to think about it. And this is not something that can come overnight. So let's revisit that in a future episode. I feel like you should like come back in three or four episodes and like cover all this stuff again, anything that is an open question. And whether you have an answer then or not, I just, I'd love to hear like, updates on your progress. And I think the listeners would as well. It's such a, it's been an ongoing story for nine years. And I think that continuing that thread is going to be good for all of us, you know, to hear the decision you make. And if you're not, if we come back in seven days and I ask you the same question, you don't have progress. Cause it's like, well, I, I can't make, I can't figure these things out in a week, but if, if we give it time to breathe, I feel like, like we can potentially follow the story in a way that's, that's helpful and doesn't put pressure on you to kind of force you to, have answers to things that you probably don't have. 
you know, there, that's a double-edged sword because I think that there are times where having a forcing function like that makes you either make decisions, and I'm not to say that it makes the decisions better or worse, just that it forces you into making a decision. So I, I think it could go either way. I'm not saying it should. I'm just saying that it could go either way, whereas like if it's seven days versus three or four weeks or whatever, sometimes having to make a decision earlier is better and sometimes it's not. And I don't I don't know if there's a good answer either way. That's why the, that's why the classic answer from a consultant is, well, it depends. <laughs> Yep. So when we last left you, there were some speed bumps that we were talking about, like roadblocks. And then there was some health stuff. There was sleep stuff. There was coaching and accountability. There's a bunch of stuff I have bullets about that I want to run through. I think the first thing is there was Google drama, right? Google needing an inspection certification that could cost tens of thousands of dollars. Potentially no one was getting back to you. That was two months ago. And that was a weekly thing that was going on. And it's like, is Blue Tick going to get shut down because of Google? What's going to happen? update us on that. What does it look like today? Sure. So I'm past like 95% of, I say 95%, it's probably 80% because of the total 80-20 rule. And then I've got another 80% to go. But everything is done with Google except for the security review. And I've reached out recently to the, uh, actually, I reached out to the companies that are doing the security reviews before. And then I kind of dropped it. I didn't get back to them because I was just not in a place where it was worth my mental energy to continue pursuing it. So I've gone back to them uh, recently. One of them had a survey that I needed to fill out and give them a bunch of technical stuff. So I gave that to them and I'm going to schedule a follow-up call with them. The other one, I'm trying to get a meeting scheduled with them and basically trying to get the price quotes hammered out to see, okay, well, how much is this actually going to cost me? Because I think in some way that probably impacts what I'm going to do with Lutic moving forward, but maybe not. Maybe I just make the decision that like this is going to be the path forward for me. And regardless of how much that costs, I'm just going to do it. Whereas before, I think I was much more in the mindset of, well, how much is this going to cost? And what's my growth trajectory? And is it even worth me going in that direction? And I think part of the, the factor of that was how much is it going to cost to have that review done? And right now, I'm just in the process of figuring out what the cost is. And I'm, it's hard to say that I'm not less focused on the, um, the growth trajectory because I still think that that's very important. But is it something I want to do? And I think that that's probably the bigger question that I need to answer is like, do I want to continue working on Blue Tick and moving it forward? And I definitely think that some of the recent conversations I've had with existing customers has really added to my motivation to do that because I think I got away from talking to my customers nearly as much as I probably should have been. And that has uh, dramatically helped that motivation. Fascinating. So, to summarize then, Google stuff is moving forward. You don't have exact data yet, but you're waiting to hear back. And Blue Tick shutdown is not imminent based on Google doing anything. And you're in process of answering this question of, is this something I want to continue working on? Probably based on customer interactions. Yes. Now, related to that, there was a technical issue that you brought up, which was this sealed.net component you're using, untestable, right? Because it's hard to get into and all this stuff. Have you done anything with that? Have you made progress? Or are you just kind of saying, forget it, I'm just going to deal with it the way it is? We have a 20-minute profanity filter or a beep that we can put in here for this. We <laughs> do it. That, a seven second. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, so I went back and forth with the uh, the support people on that, and I've kind of made the decision that I'm going to need to rip that out and replace it. I've already got something I can replace it with. I've already started going through the process of replacing it, but like their support basically came back and said, yeah, this isn't a priority for us. We're not going to make any changes to that, and too bad is really kind of what the bottom line was. That's kind of a nice way of phrasing what they said, but yeah, like I'm really terribly unhappy with the response I got from them. So Right. But it's it is no it is. longer a roadblock. <laughs> exactly. Like, because you're going to fix it and you can move on because it, it was something you brought up multiple shows in a row as well. And it seemed to really be hanging you up. So this was one of the options we threw out. Remember, we were like, I was like, you know, you can, you can shut down the whole company. You can, re, you can write the component yourself. You can, and then you brought up, you could switch components. Or I said, you could just deal with it and not have great tests or whatever. And this, this is one of the options. At least it's, at least it's one of them and you're moving forward with it. Yep. And I've already started that process. Like I, the problem with ripping it out completely and switching over is that it's a process that's going to take probably several days for my servers to kind of churn on. And it's just, it's a little terrifying to have to like pull the trigger and actually make that complete switch. So, and there's some architectural changes that need to be made as well. So I'm trying to push it off or make it so that I can do like one mailbox at a time or something like that. But I haven't dedicated a huge amount of time to that beyond the initial like prototyping and stuff. 
don't let it hang around, man. I mean, if I have one piece of advice, it's like, get past this. Because it's easy to put this off and be like, I don't really want to. It is a headache or it is, it's hard to pull the Band-Aid off. But like, if you're going to do it, do it and get past it. Well, I mean, I think the, the question in my mind that I'm struggling a little bit with is like, does this add anything for the customers? And it's... No, of course not. You're right. It doesn't. But at the same time, there are places where it's a detriment to me to be working in that code because I have to like be super careful about things breaking because of that code. And I'm more, my time is better spent off doing marketing stuff anyway. So like, shouldn't I be focusing my time on that, even though this thing is hanging out around out there? And what I struggle with, I think, is the fact that it's mental overhead. And I know it's there and I know it's a problem and I know it needs to be dealt with. But if it weren't there, I wouldn't think about it at all. So I have a hard time just like pushing it out of my mind because I know that it's there. But at the same time, I need to be working on other things. So I don't have a great answer for that. It sounds to me, you know that there are four or five options, right? And we ran through those. Shut the business down, replace it, rewrite it, whatever. Sounds to me like you've made the choice to replace it. And if you've made that choice, just do it and get past it. Like, what is it, a week's worth of work? Two weeks worth of work? You have the luxury. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> if, it, if you haven't made the decision, then that's fine. But if you've made the decision, but then are kind of half doing the work on the decision because you feel like you need to do other stuff, then it sounds like you really haven't made the decision. No, I have made the decision. It's just a question of trying to slot it in when I've got other things that are also relatively high priority to get done. And so that's like, I've got a challenge around prioritization as well, just because I've got so many things that need to get done. But I mean, we can, we can come back to that. I think that there's and Other the smaller stuff thing. Exactly. We don't want to run two hours. So I have an open questions for f- a future episode where we revisit all this. And this, this is one of them. Okay. Another thing was during the last episode, listeners know you've, you've had issues with low t- testosterone and, and your doctor had taken you off of this, this patch and you felt like you were, I don't know, you were unmotivated. You were having trouble sleeping, which is related, but not the same thing. I mean, you were, you were not doing great. In that last episode, to be honest, I could t- I could tell, and we talked a little bit after we closed that episode. What has happened since then? Yeah, so to be blunt about it, like I was a total mess when we recorded that last episode. Like the very next day, I went back on my medication, which is just a dramatic difference between them. So you know, I basically told my doctor I was never going to do that again, which <laughs> he wasn't happy about. But I'm like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to deal with this. But uh, I mean, things have been a lot better in that regard. I'm actually off of two other medications, and that was actually that was really tough. That took probably six or eight weeks to kind of get through and get over because there's, you know, like withdrawal effects and things like that. And it's just, I had to deal with them and it was just low energy, low motivation, hard time sleeping. And things have gotten dramatically better in the past three or four weeks, I'd say. But it was, it was hard getting through that period to get off of those medications. And I think that it has done a lot, a lot of good for me. Like I'm no longer suffering from a lot of those side effects. And I think that's part of the reason I was on some of those medications was because I wasn't sleeping very well. And it created this vicious cycle. And to be, I guess, more specific about it, I was like, I was on Adderall because I couldn't focus during the day, but then I was on like sleep meds at night to try and get me to sleep. So it was just like, they were basically fighting against each other. And the reality is that like I couldn't sleep at night because of the sleep apnea. So I ended up on these other meds that have like addictive qualities and things that go really sideways in your body when you're trying to come off of them. So those things are a lot better. And I've noticed the past few weeks that things have gotten dramatically better just in terms of my energy and my ability to focus and ability to be productive. Like productivity is, I don't, I don't want to say it's a choice, but like you have to focus on being productive. And if you don't focus on that, then you're just going to sit there and not get anything done. Or at least I found that way for me. I don't want to overgeneralize that. Yeah, that sounds like a a rough couple months. I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better. I'm only on one medication now, or actually two. It's like the testosterone and I'm on blood pressure meds. But they've like my doctors have done all kinds of tests. I actually have a doctor's appointment this afternoon. But so far as I know, I also don't have cancer. So I just got that going for me. Yay. (laughs) That's good news. Yeah, great. Yeah, man. I mean, it sounds like a tough couple months and like taking time off was probably the right choice to deal with that because that's not something you necessarily want to be working through. I mean, I, I, I'm i glad to hear it. And I really hope that 
that continues, you know, because you don't you don't know what you'll feel like in three months or six months or nine months, right? That if things come and go. So I, I mean, you sound more awake and alive than you have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, you sound very, and I don't know if it's just because you're fresh, because you're like, oh boy, it's like when you, I don't know if you ever lifted weights all the time, but I, if you lift seven days a week, your body gets tired. And if you take two, three days off, you come back, you're like, you can just lift crazy amounts of weight, you know, and you just feel amazing because your body has had time to recover. And I feel like there's been a, a, a bit of that. And like, you know, you just sound, you sound better. Yeah, for sure. And I think a, a lot of, I've been doing a lot of little things. So I've been tracking like when I sleep well, when I don't, what was I doing the day before? I've been tracking what I eat a lot, trying to lose weight, but that's only going marginally well. I mean, coming off of the Adderall was really hard because I, I added it like 10 or 15 pounds, like really quick. So I'm back down to only about five pounds over what I was, but still like I've, I've wanted to lose weight from that point anyway. So there's that. And then I've found that like there are certain types of music that I can listen to that if I listen to it first thing in the morning versus I sit down and I start working without listening to music, then I'm way less productive and I'm way less energetic. I've also kind of realized that I need to have a routine as much as I hate it. Like I I can't stand going through like the same routine all the time because it's boring to me. My brain just doesn't deal with it well. But at the same time, I need that structure. So those are the kinds of things that I've found to be very helpful over the past month or two. And it's just, it's been a learning process because I've kind of been, you know, I've been on my own. I've been able to do whatever I want and still make it through and still be productive. But I think things have changed. And I don't know whether it's just because of burnout or because I've gotten older and things like that. But drawing lines between work and playtime and, you know, the exercise has obviously made a bit of a difference. I've gotten back to that. And then like other little stuff, like getting rid of small annoyances. Like I, we were talking before the podcast started, you're like, wow, your keyboard's really loud. It's like, yeah, I bought a new one and it's got like, and this is a total like really little thing, but it's got a volume control built into it with like a little roll bar. So I can put the volume up or down on my music while I'm sitting there as opposed to like banging on a button or having to go to like use the mouse and change the, uh, the song that I'm on. Like it's all little stuff, but I've made a conscious effort to identify those little things that were annoyances that are now smoothed out. So they no longer impact my day and they no longer cause me to either get out of a rhythm or get angry about stuff that's going sideways. Yeah. I think that's good to do. I think it's good to recognize. Sounds like you, I, to summarize all that, it's like, you took a step back. Yeah. You took a step back and you looked at your life and your work life and your day-to-day progress and you got over some, you know, off medications, which is always hard to do, but you took a, a step back and you said, hey, what can I improve in my life? I think at least one listener is thinking to themselves, Mike, welcome to 2015 with the volume control on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm definitely not thinking that. So, hey, how, how was your sleep? Because that was a big, we got a couple more bullets to cover and we're gonna just going to have to run long today. But how, how was your sleep? Because that's been such a big issue frankly, for years? It's a lot better. I I definitely noticed that there's times where certain days of the week, and I I shouldn't say certain days of the week, there are days of the week where I don't get as much sleep as I would like. But then there's other ones where I would just wake up like feeling completely refreshed and ready to go get to work. And that's what I was just talking about, whereas I'm trying to be more deliberate about tracking what happened the day before and how the day went before and what specific things may have caused that. So I don't have a lot of information on that yet, but I'm definitely keeping a close eye on that and being very deliberate about looking at that and examining it, because I think that that's going to be important for me. I'm making a note here to check back in on this as well, just because I think it's something that's important. And I think it's important to be honest about it. You know, every time doesn't have to be, oh, everything's great. My health and my sleep are great. It's like, uh, you got to be able to talk about, you know, when it's impacting your, I mean, like, like episode 448, talk about when it's negatively impacting your progress. Something you mentioned on that episode and, and prior was like, think I need to be in a mastermind. I need more accountability. Thinking about hiring a coach. I mean, there was kind of stuff bubbling around that. What's the update on that status? So I have a new mastermind group. We've been meeting at least once a week. There's been a, well, at least, I think, once or twice where we've met twice a week, more like on a Monday and a Friday, just to you know, just because of scheduling and stuff like that. But that's been going really, really well. I'm really glad that I picked that up. And thanks for the listener. I won't call out specific names of who it is, but uh, know that the person who introduced us is uh, probably aware of it and listens to the podcast. So I just want to say thanks for that. 
And then in terms of a coach, I also have a, I'll say a pseudo business coach, more or less, who's kind of holding me accountable on a weekly basis. Say, what is it? What did you do this past week? What are you planning on doing this week? And then we've had a couple of calls here and there just for not just accountability, but like a, we had a call, I think yesterday or within the past three days about like going through my marketing plan and kind of picking it apart and saying, are these things really important? Are they not? How are these things ranked and weighted against each other? And what should you be focused on next? And those are kind of the things that are going to end up on the short list of stuff that I implement moving forward. And, you know, he's just going to hold me accountable to it and kind of give me a sanity check. So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah. I have a bullet here to ask about, you know, your motivation, your effectiveness. Have you developed a system? Because we covered that as well. I think you've already talked about that. It sounds like for the past three or four weeks, things have been feeling a lot better. Yeah, I would say things started to turn a quarter about three or four weeks ago. And I think the past week and a half to two weeks, things have really started to, I'll say, amp up a little bit. But like I said, I think it's it's a combination of no longer really suffering from the withdrawal symptoms of the medication and then also kind of getting to the tail end of burnout, which maybe I'm still working through that. I'm not real sure, but I think it's really important for me to figure out what it is that, not just what it is that motivates me, but what it is that I want to achieve. And I think as we as we start to wrap up, something that we talked a lot about that I brought up multiple times uh, in that prior episode is about making progress on blue tick or making progress in your day-to-day work, knowing how or figuring out how to differentiate blue tick, that how to make it different from the other offerings such that it's it's a product that that you can sell and that you're not kind of just picking up picking up crumbs. Do you have clarity about how to do that? That's the first part of the question. And B, have you started making progress towards that end? I wouldn't say that I have absolute clarity on it, but I would say that I have some ideas about what the direction of it should be. And it's more or less, I believe, doubling down on the warm email follow-ups because I've been talking to a couple of customers here and there about what it is that they've used BlueTick for and why they use it and asking questions to kind of help me figure out what the direction for it is and what it should be. Like, what are they unhappy about? Why do they use it to begin with? And kind of consolidating that information. And one one of the customers that I talked to, interestingly enough, he said he started out using it for cold email. And then when he switched over and started using it for warm email for other things, he's like, oh, I've got this tool. I may as well use it. And it, like a light bulb went on for him. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Why? And he started talking about the fact that it's kind of, it's really built well for those types of scenarios. And he was talking about why he was using it and how, if there were some minor changes to it, that it would be more helpful to him and and just easier to use. So it gave me some ideas about how to go in that direction a little bit more. But the problem I see is that when I asked him how would he, if he were talking about it to somebody that he knew or like another entrepreneur or something like that, how would he pitch it to them? He's like, I really don't know. So that's something I struggle with is how to present it to people that in a context outside of use cases, and maybe I just have to go in that direction and and talk about it in terms of specific use cases. So how would you summarize that? How would I summarize what? How it's used? (laughs) No, no, I'm just the whole thing. Like if I were to say, do you know how it should be differentiated? I think I do. And it's the warm email, you know, the warm email context. And then making progress towards that, not yet, or still in the, th- in the thinking phase. I, when I say progress, have you shipped code or marketing you know, material or different copy, updated website, anything to that end yet? Uh, yeah, I haven't done any of that stuff yet. I've just been kind of consolidating the information and kind of thinking about it. And I'm not sure how to, what the best ways for me to present that to other people are. And I'm not sure if that's the absolute direction I should go. Like, should I niche it down a little bit so that it is much more like a pipe drive plugin? Or should I integrate with a bunch of different products that are similar to that? I have some open questions about that kind of stuff. And I don't have the answers yet, but they are things that I'm trying to actively figure out. Like, how should this be pitched? to people and who are the exact people that I should be solving a specific problem for. Because I think when I when I first started on BlueTick, it was much more open-ended and it still is open-ended in that it can do a lot of things. But I think that if I were to niche down and only solve a very small sub-segment of like the bigger problems that it can solve, I feel like it could probably get a lot more traction. And the question is, what exactly are those? So one example might be to reschedule meetings that have been canceled. Like those people are probably high profile prospects or high high value prospects. And if somebody canceled the meeting that they scheduled, that's probably a good 
situation where blue tick could help you get those people back to a meeting. But is that the place where I want to niche down into? And I don't know the answer to that yet. How are you going to answer those questions? You said you have several open questions. What, what is your, do you have a plan to figure out how to answer them? So I'm going to be going through and talking to the rest of the customers that I have and seeing if that is something that they generally use it for. And if so, then I can at least generally answer that and at least try it out as uh, as a direction. Because I don't know, like I, I may decide, like let's say I decided to do that today. It may take them another month or two to figure out, like, is this a reasonable direction? Am I going to get any traction with it? And I don't know that. So even if I make the decision, I'm still going to have to test it out and I'm still going to have to try it and see if I can get enough customers and get some sort of traction. And if I'm not getting that, then I have to probably go back to the drawing board and try and figure it out. But there's got to be a decision point, activity, and then wait to see what the results of the tests are. And if I don't go through all three of those things, I can decide what the direction is all I want, but it doesn't mean it's going to be successful and there's no way to verify it. Makes sense. To be continued in a future episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. Stay tuned to hear the stunning conclusion of Mike's journey with Blue Tick in a few episodes. So Mike, I have the next three episodes mapped out or recorded already. So I think what we'll do is... I'm totally screwing up your numbering system. You are. <laughs> you are. No, this one, this one slots perfectly in place. I, I have all that dialed in. But what I'd like to do in the interest of, of both keeping the story going, but also giving you time to like get stuff you know, together and make progress on these things is record with you again in a few weeks. And I don't know if it'll be 461 or 62, somewhere in that range. And to, to hear what else is going on, to hear updates on your thinking, to hear, you know, there's a lot of open questions. I think I have six or seven bullets here that I've taken about differentiation, accountability, and health and sleep. What challenge do you want to tackle? What is it that you really want to do? I'm glad that you've made the progress that you have, and it sounds like you're out of the fog. And it seems to me like what you have been doing for the past two months is working. And like, keep doing that. Dude, I just feel, I feel good just talking to you about it. Like I, it makes me feel good to hear you like the old mic, you know, it's the mic that I remember. And, and you and I have gone in and out of these things. So there's, there's an old Rob and a new Rob where I was super depressed for six months doing stuff. So it's, it's not just about you, but it's cool to hear that. Do you feel that in yourself as well? Yeah, I do. And it's, it's hard for me to kind of look back on it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those painful things to look back on. It's like, oh man, I wish I hadn't felt that way. But you know, it is what it is. There's, I'd rather take the time and do the right things for myself and what I want what I'm trying to do and make the right healthy choices, I'll say. But it doesn't necessarily mean that going through those periods is easy either. But yeah, I, I definitely agree that I feel a lot better today than I did, you know, two months ago or three months ago, or even six, eight months ago. I don't feel like I think the word you used earlier was f coming out of fog. And like that is woefully accurate uh, is the way I'd put it. Well, thanks for coming back on, digging into this stuff. If folks want to keep up with you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, how you always do at the end of an interview. If folks want to keep up with you, Mike, where would they go? I'd say Twitter, but I don't trust Twitter. Right <laughs> You're not on Twitter. Yeah. So very good, man. I feel like that wraps us up for the day. Listener, if you have a question for us, Call our voicemail number at 888-801-9690 or email us questions at startupstotherestofus.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from our Out of Control by Moot. It's used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us in iTunes by searching for startups and visit startupstotherestofus.com for a sexy new website and a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.